Today in Science from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e-commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy-to-use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60-day trial at ShipStation.com slash technews. That's ShipStation.com slash technews. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired. The Terrifying Technological Tactics Behind BattleBots by Retalane. It's hard not to like BattleBots. It is essentially a modern technology-based sporting event in which teams build remote-controlled robot-like things that fight in an arena. Two robots enter, one robot leaves. And on May 11th, the eighth season of the showdown begins. Of course, there are many engineering aspects of these bots, but underlying every bit of technological terror is some very fundamental physics. Let's go over some of the physics-based tactics used in the game. How many of the robots have spinning-based weapons? It seems to be a popular choice, but why? Why spin at all? Suppose there is a robot with a horizontal spinning disc on the top, with little nubs to hit other robots. For example, there is such a thing called Captain Shredderator 2. Why would you put a spinning desk on the robot? There is one simple answer, energy. Suppose you had something like a big robot arm that you could swing to hit other robots. That might be cool and stuff, but a spinning disc could do more damage. The key here has to do with time and energy. The energy stored in a spinning disc depends on its mass, size, and rotation speed. This means that the faster you spin that disc the more energy it has. That gives the disc a tactical advantage over an arm in that you can keep increasing the speed to store more and more energy in the spinning weapon. A swinging arm, on the other hand, just has a set amount of energy to reach out and punch. But wait, a spinning disc still has some disadvantages. First, it takes some time to get up to the best speed with the most energy. If it delivers a nice blow to another robot... It might slow down and need some recharge time to get back up to speed. There is another problem. If you hit a robot with a large force, that same force pushes back on the robot. That means that a spinning disc might indeed damage another bot with a well-placed hit. But it's hard to fling it across the arena since this force would just fling both robots apart. Maybe you want to build a battle robot with a disc that spins vertically. That might be a good trick. There are two variations for vertical spinning robots. I'll call them downspin and upspin. If you want an example of an upspin battlebot, go to YouTube and check out Minotaur vs. Blacksmith. Actually, pay attention to Blacksmith also, because that's a good example of another weapon. 
Those vertical up spinners have the same advantage as the horizontal spinners. They can take some time to increase the speed of the disc so that it has more energy. But the real trick with the upspin is the force it exerts on both the victim robot and itself. Since the disc is spinning up on the side that hits its target, the disc has the ability to fling a robot up in the air. Of course, forces come in pairs, so this means that there is also a force on the upspin bot. However, this equal force on the spinning bot is in the opposite direction, that's down. In this collision, the victim is tossed and the attacker is pushed into the ground, which prevents it from flying away. What about a downspin bot? In this case, the spinning disc pushes down on the victim and up on the attacker. If you design your attacking robot correctly, you can account for this up-pushing force. But what good is a down-pushing force? It won't throw the other robot, but you can tear into it with a spinning blade of death. Do robots even die? I'm not sure. You can see that all downspin bots use the disc as some type of saw and not for flipping. Oh, you need an example of a downspin bot? Well, there is one on YouTube, and it's called Scorpius and Red Devil. Both are downspin. What the heck is angular momentum? There is a longer explanation, but for now, I will just say that angular momentum is a property associated with rotating objects. If you want to change the axis along which an object rotates, you need to apply a torque, a twisting force. Yes, it's true, most people don't have much everyday experience with angular momentum. One place you might have seen its effects is with the fidget spinner, that finger-based spinning toy. Perhaps this is one reason it's fun to play with. A spinning fidget spinner has more angular momentum than a non-rotating one. This means that it takes more torque to flip it over. It just feels weird since we are used to this angular momentum thing. A robot with a spinning disc also has angular momentum. You can really see this with vertical spinning bots. In order to turn the direction of the robot, you need extra torque so that you can change the axis of rotation for the spinning disc. This can lead to some weird cases where the robot actually tilts up on its side as it turns. Honestly, the physics of these tilt moves can be a little complicated. Maybe I'll come back to this later. Take another look at the battle between Minotaur and Blacksmith. Yes, Blacksmith is a robot with a hammer. These seem to be popular. I suppose because hammers just look cool. Oh, they can also smash things. But how does a hammer compare to a vertical spinner? The one clear disadvantage is the energy. A swinging hammer can only gain energy during the swing, which is typically a short time. In order to increase the energy of the impact, a bot can increase the mass of the hammer to compensate for the lower speed during the swing, compared to a spinner. But a large mass hammer introduces a new problem. Momentum. Momentum is the product of an object's mass and velocity, and it doesn't change unless there is an external force acting on this object. So if you consider a robot to have a body and a hammer, the total momentum should stay at zero as it sits on the floor. Once the hammer falls, the mass of the hammer head has a downward momentum. In order to make the total bot momentum zero, the rest of the robot, the body, has to have an upward momentum. You can see this with the blacksmith and other hammer bots. Swing down too hard and the robot will move up. It's the price you pay for a heavy hammer. I guess I should say something about the wedge. The idea is to make a slanted robot that can scoop up under other robots and flip them over. But really, what is there to say? It seems pretty straightforward. I guess the big advantage to wedge bots is that they are fairly simple. No swinging hammers or spinning discs. 
Of course, there is still even more physics behind these BattleBots, but this is just an introduction. Really, I could probably make an entire physics course that just focuses on BattleBots. Maybe I'll have to do that in the future. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.